it's a high profit margin product because of the process, not because of the ingredients. And that's make the whole difference. Hey, my name is Felix T, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how to build an email list if you started your business offline, how to deliver a wow factor to the unboxing experience, and how do you maximize profit margins for your products. Before our show, I wanted to let you know about Shopify Inbox. It's a brand new free sales channel you can set up right now in your admin. With Inbox, you can manage all the customer conversations from your store and social media in one place. Plus, chat anywhere, anytime using the mobile app or on the web. Most importantly, Inbox can help you close sales since 70% of Shopify Inbox conversations are with customers making a purchasing decision. Use the power of chat to turn browsers into buyers. For more information, visit shopify.com slash chat. Today I'm joined by Anthony Roseman from Pastries. Pastries sells authentic French pastries online and delivered throughout the United States and was started in 2017 and based out of Southern California. Welcome, Anthony. Hi, Felix. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so where did the idea behind French pastries online come from? Um, so to tell you the whole story, um, my wife and I, we were in, in Paris. We kind of left, left everything uh, in France uh, to build pastries here in the U.S. Um, what we wanted to do is to kind of match up both our skills. My wife is a French chef from Le Cordon Bleu Paris, and I'm kind of an expert for um, uh, online marketing and website, websites. So, um, yeah, we, we decided to jump from Paris to California to test the idea. And uh, the, um, what, we, what we found out is that they were missing, um, you know, authentic pastries uh, online in the U.S. Uh, so, yeah, we wanted to, to bring our experience to the, to the game. Yeah. So, so the, what were some of the first products that, that you launched with? Um, the first product we launched with was um, French macarons. Uh, but maybe we can dig a little bit uh, be, um, later on that point, you know, for how we found out that macarons were the, the you know, the main products. Because when we first arrived, um, we didn't know what, you know, the American market would, uh, would fit into. So we kind of tasted a lot of different, uh, you know, French pastries. But yeah, we decided to go with uh, macarons first. And now we are launching French crepes as well. Yeah. So you mentioned some market research in the early days. Tell us more about that. Like, what did you, you, you knew that you wanted to sell uh, French pastries online. How did you, what kind of market research did you do? And what did you find out about what product to, to launch with initially? Yes. Um, so for, first, you know, from, from Paris, we kind of uh, checked online from, you know, from abroad. Uh, and we saw that there were, might be an opportunity, but you know what, you know how it works when you're far away. Uh, it doesn't really count as a market study. I would say you really need to be on the field. Uh, so what we did is just we came over for a few months uh, in, in Southern California. And our strategy was to really meet people, you know, in, in, in reality. Like what we started up with, uh, we started with meetups, you know, the, the meetups, the, the app. Um, and we find some kind of groups and we say, okay, hey, we don't have nothing to do with your group, but we can bring you. We can bring free pastries for you to test, and you know, give us some feedback in exchange. So we started with uh, with that strategy, um, and then we started farmers markets as well. You know, at the lower scale, which was uh, in Newport Beach, Costa Mesa, and Malibu. And yeah, and we we arrived with a few pastries. You know, we had we had macarons. We have a few French cakes, and you know, with the feedbacks from customers, we. We literally see at the, the, the first few days and weeks that macarons were really, really popular in the U.S. So what we decided to do is focus on these products first. Um, but yeah, it's really the, I would say, the market study on the field, you know, that really helped us uh, move forward at a bigger scale after that. Yeah, did it surprise you what was um, famous or what was popular rather in the U.S. compared to what you might have expected? Yes. Uh, we know that we knew that you know macarons is a very special product. It's very famous worldwide, uh, and it's recognized as as French, and it's very difficult pastries to make. So we know there was a demand here. But for example, um, in France and Europe in general, gluten free is not a, such a big deal. And what we found out is that macarons are naturally gluten free, uh, and we didn't even thought about 
that part, you know, when we were we were in, in France. Uh, so we discover, you know, what 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 is the market trends here and what really people look look like look look into for um, you know for this kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, for example, the gluten free aspects really surprised us. Uh, the real popularity of macarons really surprised us. We really didn't know that you know there was such a high demand um, for for a small product like that. Um, so yeah, we we really decided to focus first on this particular product, you know, to to enter the niche. Yeah, and you know, one thing you said earlier that I really liked was about how you were already doing some research online, but you found that it was important to try to meet people in person. What was this? What was this like? Why did you feel like it wasn't enough just to do your market research online, and it felt like it was important for you to meet people in person? Yeah, because you know, online the first thing online is you 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 don't always find uh, every um, information you need, especially when you um, you try to research a specific niche, which was the case for us. Um, at the time, there was like three to four bakery online, I would say, and it wasn't really you know French bakery. So um, we can we can see that there is um you know there is a good niche because there is not that much competitors, and when you check the different SEO tool like SEM Rush, uh, you can check you know the different keywords and you can see that there is a high demand and very low competition. But that's just that's just things online, you know. Um, maybe people try to find it online, but they didn't really purchase after that. So we really needed to see and meet people to um, I would say feel you know what's what's the market and what really people like. For example. Um, we didn't know what flavors American people would like, what macarons flavors. So we know what French people like, but we didn't know what, what was the famous, uh, you know, uh, recognized, I would say, macaron flavors here. So the farmer's market and the meetups and all the feedbacks that we got from early customers was really important for that, you know, to, to, to kind of, of um, I would say, narrow our vision uh, to start the, the business. Yeah, so I think that one one important aspect that you did first, though, was that when you did research online, what you were looking at was the demand and then the kind of competitive landscape. You found that there was a lot of demand online by looking at some of these SEO tools to see that there was a lot of search traffic for, for maybe French pastries or keywords around that. But then you did not find a lot of suppliers, a lot of stores, a lot of websites that that were there to meet that demand. But then from there, you look, hey, this is, there's something here to this. Let's go a little bit further and try to meet people in person. Now, when you, I think that's a great approach of going to these kind of meetups. Like you weren't, you weren't trying to build a meetup yourself. You were just kind of attending existing meetups that had existing kind of audiences, existing people to meet. Can you talk to us about your approach there? Like how did you decide uh, which kind of meetups, what kind of events you would go to? Yeah, that was that was really a fun part because uh, yeah, we just arrived like literally a few days. We we found an Airbnb in Los Angeles, and we said, okay, how can we test fast, you know, and meet people? Uh, so I knew that I knew that app, you know, in uh, Meetup in, in France is pretty popular as well. So I said, hey, let's um, let's see what uh, what our audience, you know, would think about that. So at first, what we wanted to to introduce was the, the the macarons and you know the other pastries, but um, choosing the meetup was kind of fun because we didn't really know what kind of audience would um, you know purchase this kind of product. Is it as a gift? Is it for parties? Is it for baby showers? For wedding? So what we did is the first ever meetups we we did was uh, a pregnant woman's from twins uh, meetup. <laughs> that was kind of fun. Yeah, because that was the, literally the only one that responded to us. Um, so we just say, hey, we have free pastries, you know, with French chefs. We just come over and, uh, you know, let you guys try and give us the feedback. That's, that's, the, that's the deal. That's it, you know. So they were very happy to welcome us. Uh, so we arrived in this meetup where there was, you know, lots of pregnant women uh, <laughs> with twins. Mm -hmm. So we just arrived with our pastries and let them try everything. And yeah, we sit for two hours listening to... Uh, to twins, uh, you know, pregnancy stuff. So that was fun. <laughs> that does sound, sound funny. I'm sure you got to enter a lot of different worlds throughout this uh, process. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. funny. Because they were, you know, a husband and wife. So we were here, uh, you know, waiting, uh, you know, hearing the feedbacks and then hearing all the details in pregnancy and everything. <laughs> <laughs> 
definitely a, a big learning experience. Um, now, when you first uh, decided to take this approach of meeting people in person, like what, what exactly were you looking to find out? Like, what were you looking to get out of? Um, like, what would you consider a successful experiment or successful time at one of these meetups? Yeah. Uh, so the really first thing, you know, we are a two-person team, husband and wife. We do everything in-house and we control 100% of the business. So we are kind of free of what we choose to do, you know. Um, so the only first thing we wanted to do is narrow the niche, you know, narrow the products, which is the first one. What is the first product we want to go out with? Uh, because I knew we cannot go out with, you know, five, six different products. Uh, it's, it's not a good strategy, in my opinion. It's really better to focus on one main product that you know will work because there is a demand and people are waiting for it. So the first objective was really to, um, to narrow that, you know, to find that what I call MVP, most valuable product, that would be, um, you know, macarons for us. So the first objective was this. Then once we have the, um, uh, the MVP, so it's the macaron in our case, um, yeah, we started the farmer's market with only macarons and see, okay, what are the flavors that are popular? We like salty flavor, sweetie flavor, fruity flavor, uh, creamy flavor, you know, all that. And kind of narrow down further the niche. And once we got all these, you know, aspects, I would say, then we started online. Got it. Now, you mentioned that you found that it was really important to narrow the niche and narrow it down to just one product. And, you know, most people with when they are launching a business or launching a brand, they're thinking, okay, what are all the things, different things I can sell and really try to launch with a lot of different SKUs, a lot of product lines. Why did you find that it was important to just focus on just one main product? And what do you think this did for you because you were so hyper-focused on just one product? Uh, yeah, because it's, in my opinion, it's really important to be an expert and really uh, nail one product, you know, to enter the market. Uh, it's really more, much more easier when you have, um, uh, you know, one specific product that you really control, that you are the best with, uh, people recognize the quality of it, um, you know, and then once you enter the market, the pastry market online with one product, uh, you can launch others because, you know, it's very, like I said, we are just a two-person uh, team. Um, so it's better to focus all your effort in one specific product that you can, you know, develop and perfect over time. Uh, and then once you are recognized in this one, you can start, you know, expanding with other products, which we will do soon with the, the French crepes that yeah. we are launching soon. Yeah. Got it. You definitely want to talk about the expansion of the product line to crepes uh, in, in a little bit. Uh, so you, you, as you're doing this, as you're talking at these, these meetups and you're meeting these, these people and they're trying out your products, what were some of the things that, was there anything that, that surprised you about the kind of feedback or anything you heard that surprised you that you might not have come to on, on your own? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, the first objective behind pastry is the main goal, you know, from further abroad, was to create a subscription box of French pastry. So that was like one pastry a month uh, to your door. That was the original idea. Uh, once we arrived here and we tested a few different French pastries, we realized that not all of them were well-known enough here in the U.S. Uh, to, be, you know, to be worth pursuing and, and creating the product. So we really switched upon you know, these meetups and, and meeting the clients in the farmer's market. Um, we really switched towards the macarons at first because we really felt that it was like lacking, you know, um, quality macarons here. Um, and, you know, definitely the feedback was that because every single client always say, hey, uh, you know, there's no real French macarons here and we cannot find it. Hey, I need to send that as a gift or I have a wedding for my sister or I have a baby shower and things like that um, always come back to macarons. So it was really obvious after that that we had to really switch our business model to focusing on macarons first. And then we actually created the subscription box as well. But yeah, every, everything, every feedback that we got either in the meetups or, you know, in the farmer's markets was really focusing us, you know, telling us that to go in that direction. So that's why we, we kind of listened. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you when you went on to do farmers markets next, did you learn anything new there, or was it kind of more of the same? This kind of reinforced what you guys were already hearing from those meetups. Yeah. So, like you said, the meetups kind of focused us uh, with the macarons, 
And then we launched the farmer's market to kind of go a little bit deeper into this market study. Um, so the farmer's market was more a test to see, is there enough demand to focus only on, on, on uh, macarons? Uh, and the second objective was, um, what flavors? What are the flavors? Now, okay, we know it's macarons. What is important? Do you really care about the flavors? Um, do you have specific um, a taste? Uh, you know, we, we didn't know really what, what people uh, might like here. Um, so, for example, one big um, um, thing that we learned here uh, was from a customer. I remember his name was Kevin. He said, hey, I saw your, uh, your because, you know, we were starting the website kind of at the, mean, uh, at the meantime to kind of test. Um, but yeah, he said, hey, uh, it would really be great if we can pick what is the flavor we want, you know, in the box. Because at the time, what we had, it was kind of variety, um, you know, variety assortment kind of with like 10 or 12 different flavors. And yeah, the, this customer just came up and said, hey, I just want these two. Um, is it possible? And he said, hey, maybe this is a feature that a feature that would be really valuable, you know. And starting from that, we knew that it was very interesting to, to add this feature to be really specific on each flavor. Because sometimes people like fruity flavors, like, you know, passion fruits or raspberry, stuff like that. Sometimes people like creamy flavor, salted caramel, chocolate, tiramisu, um, and maybe the fruity people don't don't like the um, the flavors, you know, like salted caramel and everything. So this is the kind of feedbacks that was really useful for us at the farmers market. Yeah, you know, one one of the really cool things, interactive things that I've saw on your website, which is at pastries p a s t r e e z dot com, is that you can customize these the, these boxes, and as you're picking. The pick, picking the items like as you populates on a, this image, I think it's kind of hard to describe, but it's really cool to see. Um, is there a difficulty? Like, what difficulty does this add into your kind of supply chain when you're when you're allowing people to customize your order to this degree? Yes, it was uh, it was a challenge uh, at first. Not a, not that much because uh, you know we were very small at the time, uh, so you know it's just pick and choose from from the batch from from the day. Uh, but yeah, you can't, with our, with our business model, every order is custom, is customized. So you can't really have, um, you know, like pre-package or pre-prepare, uh, all your orders ahead. No, each order is different. And I think with the, now looking back to it, I think that's part of what makes, made us different is we really care about what you care about. So if you like specific flavor, yeah, you can order 24 macarons of passion fruit if you are a passion fruit flavor, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of difficult for the uh, supply chain thing. Uh, but I guess it's part of how we differentiate, differentiate as well. So I'd imagine, too, that having this kind of customization, this level of customization probably gives you a ton of data to help with inventory planning and just knowing what kind of tastes your your market you know, in this case uh, people in the united states have and probably helps a lot with like the, the planning of the inventory so let's talk a little more about the the supply chain especially at the beginning so once you had recognized that there was um demand for your products that, what kind of flavors people liked what was the first step towards uh, going online um <clears throat> You know, we were attending uh, three farmers markets at the time. It was Malibu, um, Newport Beach, and Costa Mesa here in Southern California, and there were the two of us only. Uh, so we kind of split. You know, rented a, a car and go here, go there, and we said, okay. I mean, now it's been six months. We are doing the farmers market, uh, and my objective as an online marketer and you know creating the website and everything, uh, it it was always to go online uh, at the end. So this was really a phase of part of the phase of market study. Even if we started getting sales, you know, with farmers market, um, which which helped you know us develop as well. Uh, my main objective was always to go online after that. So we also used the farmers market, you know, to build like a um, an email list. So every customer has like one extra three macarons on the market if they share with us the the emails. So we start getting, you know, uh, a little bit of a community here of Macarons fans. Um, and as the, the website started to go, because, you know, after six months, we kind of had all the feedbacks we needed. Um, every, you know, every feedbacks we kind of had at the time was always the same repeating. So we, we felt like, okay, I mean, that's it. You know, we already 
We already know what's important to them. Now let's, let's get back to work for online. Um, so what we did, it was kind of a transition from the markets to online. Uh, but I really wanted to stay at the markets. At the meantime, we were building the website because we can use these kind of feedbacks for the online as well. So we kind of switched, switched um, you know, from, okay, I want your feedback or my current flavor to, okay, how, what is the feature you would like to see on the website? Um, is a subscription box means anything to you? Would that care? Would you care? Um, you know, uh, do you need a gift box? Uh, would you use a, a, a macaron tower, you know, to have a feedback for the online application as well? Yeah. And I think you, one thing you touched on that was awesome was that you, you built an email list, even if you started just offline. A lot of people think okay, an email is something you build online only, but you actually started offline. And even better than that, you actually gave them an incentive to sign up. I think this is ingenious where you aren't just putting out like a clipboard with people sign up, you know, if they want to, they don't get anything on the spot for you. Incentivize them this time to sign up. How effective was this just to give away like one, you know, free item for them to put their email address down? It was pretty effective. Uh, maybe two out of three customers signed up. Um, and, it was, you know, we, we just had like a piece of paper and everybody just kind of write their uh, email address over there. And what we started to do is uh, emailing uh, our customers about, hey, the next week at the farmer's market, it will be these flavors, you know. And we, we kind of have uh, got, you know, um, um, repeat customers that comes like every week. Um, and we started building relationship actually with, with them, um, over time after three or four years now, we still, we still talk to them. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty effective and it was a way for me to start, you know, the transition to, from the markets to online. Yeah. And what did you start seeing things kind of flip where most of your sales were now coming online rather than, than offline at these farmers markets? Yes. Um, so we saw that at Christmas time. We started the website, I believe it was um, September 2017, and we started the business in April 2017. So we started the markets about, yeah, May, something like that. Uh, and the website was fully operative, I would say, in September. And now switching back to the online things, you know, that I know a little bit more with SEO, with, you know, online marketing and all that stuff. Um, because I knew this niche was uh, an accessible niche fast for us because there wasn't that much competitors um, and there wasn't that much, you know, quality similar products online. Um, so starting September, you know, sales were, you know, only the, the farmer's market people. And then uh, October, we started, we started ranking uh, for macarons near me, which is a main keyword. It is, um, it's something I always advise uh, when people ask me about that, uh, is put your name of the product and near me. To activate those keywords is really, really strong because people have an intent of four shades. But yeah, so um, the switch, I would say, yeah, it's Christmas time um, because we were getting, at the time, it was so much order, so many orders for us, you know, and we didn't have time to fulfill our duty, I would say, to the farmer's market. Um, so the first rush really with pastries was Christmas time. Um, then once we passed Christmas time, arrived January 2018, was a little bit slow. We say, hey, let's keep the farmer's market in parallel and see how it goes. And then Valentine's Day arrived. And this was another rush. So at the time, at this time, after February, we kind of slowly walked out um, of the farmer's market because we already also see that, you know, in the re revenue shares, um, online were doing much better by that time. To the farmers market um, and farmers market you know you, you have to bring your canopy you have to build everything you stay there for nine hours um, so it, it it at the time it was it started to be too much to be on on both you know for the for the two of us so that's that's how we slowly yeah um, exited the markets by mid mid 2018 something like that Mm. Yeah, you mentioned that, it, first of all, it popped off during the holiday season around Christmas, and you also mentioned around Valentine's Day. So it sounds like gifting is a big part of your of your business. What, what, what changes do you make, to, what changes did you make to your business to take advantage of the fact that a lot of your customers were coming uh, to buy gifts for others? Yeah, so uh, for Christmas, the first Christmas, we had a, 
macaron gift box. This was our first, uh, uh, I would say, custom packaging. Uh, it was kind of a custom, uh, you know, gift box, kind of um, iPhone box, you know, pretty smooth, very cool design. It was really designed to be gifted. Uh, so that worked well. And then for Valentine's, what we did is uh, we focused on heart macaron. We did, uh, it actually was the first ever online. Um, it was um, a heart-shaped macarons with flavored raspberry. So it's really deep red. So, you know, it's perfect for the occasion. Um, and yeah, we did a specific flavor for Valentine. Um, so it, it worked It worked pretty well at the time, you know. It's, it's really the beginning. So we are not effective in the shipping. We are not effective in the supply chain. And to give you um, a, a fun fact here, the, the first gift box that we ordered, we ordered about 1,000 gift box. Uh, it was too small for the macarons. So it was, it was very hard to, uh, uh, you know, put all the macarons in the correct way to ship correctly. Um, so, yeah, we were, we, it was really the beginning of all that. Yeah, and you mentioned, the. I would definitely want to talk about the, the packaging, what you learned from there. But one thing you talked about was how you're still learning about the logistics of shipping and everything. And one one interesting thing that you have now, which I don't see on from other vendors, other than maybe like flowers or something, is that you're able to kind of schedule out a delivery where you can add an event date. I guess, you know, if it's going to deliver for, for Mother's Day or, or, or Valentine's Day or Christmas, you want to be able to purchase it now, but then schedule that in the future. Talk to us about how this works on the back end. How do you handle things like scheduling when people make a purchase that um, where they don't want the item delivered for, you know, for weeks from now? Yes, that's a great question because we actually took advantage of uh, a Shopify future. I don't think it's made for that in the beginning. But we kind of tricked it this way, um, you know, for the shipping options at checkout, you can add, you know, different uh, shipping options. And what we did is simply add a shipping option there and say, hey, this is Mother's Day reservation. So pick this shipping uh, option if you want it to arrive by Mother's Day, around Mother's Day. And that's what we do every single rush time for Christmas, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, you know, these kind of big rush dates. Uh, we always had the shipping options there to say, hey, pick this one if you really want this as a gift for Mother's Day. And this kind of is kind of a game changer because it allowed us to um, get pre-sales, you know, even a month ago, a month before. For example, for Valentine's Day, it's uh, February 14th. Uh, since, you know, mid-January, we can start getting orders because sometimes people really order ahead of time. And with this option, it's really easy for us for the back end because we can, you know, put the list and say, hey, these people don't want their order to ship right now. So we put that on the side and then we will ship closer to uh, February uh, 14th, you know. Mm, yeah. And, you know, during these kind of special holidays, you mentioned that you've done things like special flavors for, for certain um, special holidays. Are there certain other kind of features or product add-ons that that you feel like do well, especially if it's for like a gifting customer? Uh, yeah, we, we what we had is um, two specific customized uh, items on the website. So on the product page, for example, of the macaron gift box, uh, there is two specific custom items that we added is um, add event date and add gift note. So add event date, for example, if your um, wife's birthday is in a month, you can still order right now. You just had to click add event date and you select your date in the calendar, and we will ship closer to that date. Um, same thing for the gift note. You just click Add Gift Note on the product page. Uh, you add your gift note, and this will be printed out on the gift receipt along with your order. So those really work well because, again, it goes in the you know, customization uh, away, like picking your flavor, adding your gift notes, adding your gift date. Um, you, know, you feel really uh, care you know, when you order like that. So I guess it goes in the same direction, uh, you know, with the customized uh, uh, thing that we, we really focused on. Yeah, and when you were launching these these different um, gifting options, were there different price points that you played with? Like, what's like, what have you learned about how to either price or or display a a product that is specifically meant for someone to buy as a gift versus just a product that they would buy for themselves? Um, for themselves, for example, you, you don't, if you buy macarons for yourself or for, you know, for at home, for just desserts or stuff like that, um, you would pick um, a simple packaging. You don't really care about the packaging as long as it, 
you know, ships well and, and stay fresh and everything. This is, this is okay. But for the, um, really for the gift part, uh, we, we have some specific items that are focused for gifts, uh, like the Macaron gift box, or even we have a gift subscription box, uh, where you can prepay for three months, six months or 12 months. Um, and you know, the, the recipient just received a box of new macarons every month for three months, six months or 12, 12 months. Um, yeah, it, the, the, the macaron gift box, for example, we really focused on the smooth packaging, um, you know, to, to feel, to feel special because when you gift something, especially when you ship, you really want this wow effect, you know, when the, the customers receive the box. Uh, so our main example here was, um, the, the Apple, you know, packaging for iPhones. I really fell in love with this packaging. It's really smooth, you know, lots of details. Uh, so our Macarons gift box feel exactly like that. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's really a way to, to, to make your recipient feel really care. Hey, real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, so these, these uh, you mentioned earlier, these uh, thousand gift boxes that you originally ordered, they were too small. Talk to us about what, what, what happened. Like, how did you, how did you uh, react or adapt to this, this situation? Yeah, uh, so at the time, it was a pretty big mistake we made. Uh, but, you know, we were keep learning. So that was part of the process, I guess. Uh, so the, the gift box were here, uh, you know, it was beginning December, uh, no time to reorder or to back order or to do anything. What we had to do is, is make them fit. So what we had to do is actually kind of trick the gift box inside, um, um, you know, push a little bit the border, uh, adapt our products to the packaging. Actually, we, ha- we really had to change the, the, the macaron, uh, because they were too big. So we found a way in the recipe to make them a little bit more flat so they can fit correctly in the box. But yeah, this, this period was really a nightmare because for each order, we spent too much time. It was really, really day and night. Uh, so when the 1,000 gift box were, you know, uh, out of stock and sold out, uh, we really celebrated because we knew that now we're going to, you know, get a better packaging that really fits perfectly with our product. Yeah. And I guess what, what was the, the lesson learned moving forward when it came to um, figuring out what kind of packaging to, to, to order, to, to create when you, um, you know, have, you know, special items or even for your more, you know, reoccurring items? Uh, you know, at the time, we, our recipe, we control the recipe, but, you know, uh, from Paris to Los Angeles, it was really a different weather, different humidity, different temperature, and all these factors affect the macaron recipe. So it kind of go, uh, got too, too fast out of hand because we had too many demand. Um, so the size of the macaron, we didn't really know that much. So that's why we kind of ordered a, a, an average size packaging. And we say, hey, let's see how it goes, you know? <laughs> so what we did after that, when it got sold out, we say before to order a new packaging, let's control 100% the, the product, you know, once we have a really specific average size, because if macarons are handmade, you know, so each macarons will be a little bit different in size. So that was kind of a, the trick here. But once you get, um, uh, you know, uh, I would say precise enough, accurate enough in, in your product, we were uh, comfortable enough to reorder. So what the, the lesson we learned, I would say, is that we really needed to know 110% of our products and our process before ordering custom packaging. Because custom packaging, it makes it custom if it really fits right for your product. If you order, I would say, uh, you know, an average uh, uh, packaging that fits, okay, product A, B, and C, it's okay though, but I mean, it's not a custom you know, packaging for this product. And it feel less, um, less care about, you know, when you receive it. So yeah, we really wanted the product to fit the packaging of the packaging to fit the product. So yeah, we, we controlled the, the, the product a bit more before to reorder this custom packaging. And then, yeah, the next batch was, uh, was perfect. <laughs> 
Yeah, and you, you talk a little bit about this this unboxing experience that you really wanted to have this wow, this delight factor like you would find with opening up like an Apple product. Um, talk to us about that. Like, How do you design it into like, – what are some things that you've changed or some things that you've added to to your packaging that, that gives that fun, that, that delightful unboxing experience for customers? Yeah, the, the whole idea behind the, the, um, the Pastries gift box was to get, it was like a jewelry box, you know, like you order some uh, jewels or ring at Tiffany and Co. And you open that, you know, with a little rebound and stuff like that. Um, all that is part of it. So I wanted a soft touch box, you know, kind of like the iPhone packaging. This, is, this was really important to us uh, because before to even opening the box, you, you touch it and you have to feel, uh, um, to feel, you know, special when you receive something like that. So the first experience is the, the look and the feel. Um, so the soft touch was the first thing. The second thing was we wanted to have an embossed logo, you know, that fits outside of the box kind of. So when you put your hands over it, you can feel, you know, the logo. Um, this makes it fit special as well. Um, and then the opening, you know, inside, it was really important for us uh, that the macarons really doesn't move during transit, doesn't you know, stay very perfectly. So you can, when you open the box, you can see the, the bright colors of different macaron flavors. Um, and then the only thing you need to do is uh, try and taste them, you know? <laughs> mm, makes sense. Now I want to talk a little bit about the the uh, the growing business that was happening online. So it sounded like a lot of your customers at one point were coming from just um, offline customers that were maybe buying from you online. And then you mentioned that one of the efforts that you put into driving traffic that was purely coming from online was around SEO. And you mentioned uh, you, one key thing is to put your product plus near me as a as a kind of a phrase that you want to rank for. Tell us about more about that. Like, what are some of the SEO things that you've done to to rank highly? in your in your category yeah so the really first focus i had was macarons near me uh the near me uh is really important because like i said it it, it focuses on a, a buying intent um so people who type anything near me uh they they are very interested and they have a purchase intent so i really focused uh on this i used the, the plugin seo for shopify to help me with that so you can, you know, um, uh, I would say adapt your page um, to, to rank for those. Uh, what I used is really SEM Rush. It's really, really helpful because you can see for macarons near me who are the other uh, competitors that are ranking for it. And then you can analyze them and see why they are ranking for it and then beat them at that, you know. Um, so since it was a pretty small niche, uh, I was able to get, yeah, within a few months, we were top one, you know, ranking for this keyword. And that really, really helped us um, for, for the traffic, um, you know, uh, visitors. I always advise and focus on organic first. Uh, we are not, you know, really fond of uh, Facebook ads. Uh, maybe we can enter into details later for, about that, but I really prefer the organic stuff. Uh, because organic stay there, you can see it come up and down, you can fix it up. And it's really about your energy and your capacity to adapt, you know. Um, and, and also, what also helped us at the time, you know, growing into this top one ranking in Google, uh, was the reviews and blogs. Um, we started to get, you know, requests. Um, hey, can I try your macaron? I can make a review and stuff like that. Uh, so we were very happy about that because at the time, we really wanted to get some more feedback about, uh, you know, the macarons. So, so yeah, really focused on organic search, uh, a keyword at first. Um, and then once we were ranking for macarons near me, I started um, for other keywords as well. As well. And was this most like kind of offsite SEO? Because I, I would imagine, you know, when people talk about SEO, a lot of them are talking about like running blogs or, or creating a lot of content. Like what was your strategy to being able to rank for something like the, the near me keyword phrase? Yeah, it was both actually. So it was insight and offsite. It really goes uh, hand in hand. Uh, so the first thing is I really adapted the website uh, um, with, the, um, with the keywords. So the main page, of course, but specific product page as well. Because you really want your customer, even especially when it's someone typing macarons near me, 
you want the first page they see is a product page because you have less clicks to arrive to the purchase. You know, if you send them to your main page, which is pastries.com, you still have to click buy. Then you select your product and everything. everything. It's more clicks. So what, what I did really is adapted a specific product page to the keyword. So for example, the 48 macaron page is really, um, I would say, detailed and focused for the macaron keyword. Um, and yeah, and then yeah. the other, yeah, and then offsite, sorry, I cannot lose, uh, but yeah, um, so this is insight. So what I would advise is really each product page has focus on one specific keyword. So this way you can rank your, the same website for different keywords very efficiently. So 48 macarons go to macarons near me, 24 macarons go to buy macaron keyword and everything, something like that. And then offsite, um, when you start, you are nothing online. So it was important for me to find out, um, you know, who are the people that really like foodies, you know, give reviews online uh, for these kind of products and just reach out to them and say, hey, um, I have this product. We are pretty new. We'd love to send you a box for free and just tell us what you think about it. And, and yeah, it started like that for offsite, uh, um, you know, SEO. And all together, it helped us, you know, ranking really fast for, for, for these keywords. Oh, so you were, it wasn't just like inbound requests from people that wanted to review your products. You actively try to reach out and get blogs or reviewers to, to review the products? As well, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, because when we started, you know, we, we, we were, you, you, are, you are nothing online, you know, there is plenty of websites. So we didn't have that much of reach out, but um, we, we first reached out and say, hey, we can send you a free product. Just let me know what you think. And, you know, that's, that was pretty much it. And if, if they were uh, happy enough, they would like uh, make a blog post. And then, you know, the snowball effect was that um, all the bloggers were subscribed to their blogs. So once they see they reviewed us, we start we started receiving uh, you know requests to review as well. Okay, so once you get one outlet, one blog to review, there's going to be kind of a snowball effect of others that that want to to um, to review as well. And what's the, what's the um, kind of your involvement here, other than just sending them the the product to to review? Do you are there ways to uh, maybe not, not incentivize them, but like get them linked back to you, right? Which is a big factor in, in SEO. Uh, is there any way to encourage that, or does that typically just happen when they are reviewing your products? Um, you know, to be fully honest, I, I'm not a fan of, you know, paid advertising too much. Um, especially when it comes to small uh, blogs, you know, it's kind of, um, you share, if you, if you like it enough, we send you free product. And if you like it enough, yeah, just tell us what you think. We just want your feedback. And if you really like it too much, you can write about it. And at, and at this point, we will also share in parallel, you know, with our social media, uh, Instagram share the blog post as well. So I think it's kind of a, they give us visibility, we give us visibility, you know, it's kind of a win-win situation. Um, it, it was more like that. And to this day, I, I work really like that uh, because, you know, we are, we are confident with our products. We know we have a good product. Um, so, yeah, I, I really feel like it's better to, to, to share, you know, uh, visibility together than rather than you know paying to review because it kind of bias a little bit uh, when you pay someone to review your product because of course if you pay them um, they will uh, most likely give you a positive comment you know um, so yeah we really want to, to stay flat on that um, you know and that's that's what we did since the beginning we got reviews from Le Cordon Bleu Paris uh, Travel Plus Leisure or even BuzzFeed and we never paid a single dollar for you know these kind of, of referrals. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and, and you know, one thing that you mentioned too was about how you, when you when you are choosing what products to sell is to focus first on a single product, like you mentioned, with high profit margins. Talk to us about this. Like, when you are identifying what products have highest profit margins, are there ways that you have control over the the profit margins, either either increasing the prices or decreasing the expenses? Like, what are some ways that you've been able to maximize profit margin? Yes, that's a great question, actually, because uh, this was the, the profit margin was part of the decision making uh, for macarons. 
macarons for French pastries is almost the biggest profit margin product ever. Because when you look at it, ingredients to make macarons is almond flour, sugar, and egg white. Diamond flour is kind of expensive, but you know, it's not that big of a deal, especially in California when we have, you know, the best uh, almonds in the world. Um, but yeah, it's the ingredients itself is not uh, uh, expensive. To give you an example, um, for 24 macarons, it costs $2.4 to make, and we sell them for $49. So it's kind of a 90, 95 plus profit margin. Um, but you know the price is actually fair uh, when you compare to the competitors. And the secret in macarons is not about the ingredients itself; it's really into um, the process. Uh, it's very, very hard to get quality macarons. Yeah, 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 yeah. You need to practice. You need to know the you know the techniques. Um, so it's a high profit margin product because of the process, not because of the ingredients. Uh, and that's make the whole difference because. Like I said earlier, we control 100% of the, of the process. Um, we do the macarons, we package them, we ship them. We don't do any outsourcing. So when you control uh, the supply line from A to Z, you can really make good profit margin. All right. So the more you can get the, the process dialed in, the, the, the more you increase and sustain your profit margin as you grow. That makes sense. Now, you mentioned earlier, too, about how you're now, for the first time, expanding your product line into French crepes. So tell us about that. Like, How did you decide that, that was going to be the next addition to your product lines? Same deal. We did the same research and same uh, uh, focuses that works for us for the macarons. So what I did is first started with SEMrush, SEO, checking the keywords, you know, just analyzing and see, hey, is, uh, is this product uh, a good fit for you? Uh, do American people like crepes? Is it in high demand? Um, um, what are the competitors? What people are doing and not doing? Um, so the results, it was, you know, for, to give you an example, macarons near me in SEM Rush, it's about 60,000 volumes of research per month. Okay. Um, and the crepes is about 75,000 volumes of research per month. So the market seems a little bit bigger than macarons. And when you check um, um, the, um, I would say the the competitors for the crepes, there is simply none online so far. There is simply none. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there is none, except of course for you know Walmart and, and Target and things like that. But there is no online bakery that focuses on crepes that ship fresh to your door. Of course, there is creperies you know near you in your city. But if you are not in a big city that has crepes. That's it for you. You know, you can't you can't have access to quality crepes. So we did exactly the same process. And do you find that? Do you find that's the case that a lot of your your customers' like orders are disproportionately coming from smaller cities that don't maybe don't have any kind of French pastries local to them? Yes, we do uh, a lot actually. Because if you don't live in Los Angeles or let's say Boston, New York, Miami, you know these kind of big cities. That's it. You know, you don't have access because this is a very specific pastry. So let's say you have a baby shower and you really want to have a specific, a special day, you know, very enjoying the specific pastries. You have to find it online because if you don't, you, you live in a rural area or not in a big city, you won't have access to it. So, so yeah, um, you know, with Shopify, you can get the reports of which state actually orders uh, and it's very fun to check that, you know, to see what is the state that ordered the most. Um, of course, for us, it's the most populated state like, you know, New York, New Jersey, California. But it's not necessary in the big cities. Um, so we make it possible for anyone in the U.S. Um, to get, you know, quality French macarons, quality French crepes to your door. Mm, that makes sense. Now, you mentioned that uh, you are shipping throughout the United States. Are there special considerations for packing and shipping food products that you have to distribute to the entire country? Yes, it was the second challenge uh, right after the, you know, you remember the, the packaging uh, the issue we had in the beginning. Uh, yeah, so packaging is a really, really important step, especially for shipping food products. Um, so at first we didn't know, we, we ordered from competitors. We see how they, how they package, um, you know, because you don't want to reinvent the wheel. Um, somebody must have done something smart before you. 
So just, you know, find out about them, order the products. That's what we did. And we say, hey, this, this, we ordered from a cupcake company. Uh, and we say, hey, this, this is very clever. You know, there was a clamshell uh, um, container that protects um, the, the, the cookies. Uh, and then there was an insulated posh. And then there was an ice pack. And then there was bubble wrap. And then there was, you know, all these little details that they came uh, forward with their product. We find out that it would fit for us as well. So, um, yeah, that's what we did. And, and shipping is really, for food products, is one of the main issues. That's why for crepes um, that we are launching soon, we really wanted to get rid of that issue straight away. So what we choose to do for the crepes is uh, ship them into a vacuum sealed bags. When you ship into vacuum sealed bags, the product is still, you know, still perfect, still fresh. You still have to put ice packs and insulated pouch, but you know it won't break. It won't. It won't be have any problem. So really, really, really important step the shipping process. Makes sense. So pastries.com, P-A-S-T-R-E-E-Z.com. I'll leave you this last question. You mentioned that you're now moving to, uh, to, to French crepes for your next product. Uh, what do you think are some of the go- going to be some of the biggest challenges coming your way in, in the near future? Scaling. Uh, because we, for now, like I, like I said earlier, we are really, we want to keep it for us, um, um, you know, maximum amount of time. So what we did is really husband and wife team. My wife keeps the, the macaron, uh, you know, the recipes, and I'm for the online uh, stuff. Um, so recently what we had is we opened the first uh, pickup location here in Southern California in Finland. Um, uh, so you can order online and select the free pickup, um, you know, at checkout. Uh, Shopify allowed that. So um, we, this was like three, four months ago. So this was a big step for us this year. Uh, and then, then is is uh, yeah, is scaling because we, like I said, you know, the recipes itself is really technical. So we would have to hire someone and train him very, very much. But you know, so they became uh, very strong at this recipe thing. Um, but also, um, we would probably uh, out not outsource, but you know, hire someone to help for the shipping, especially during the the rush hours, you know, for Christmas and, and, and all these dates. Um, so yeah, and that's, and that's after that's the production, you know, as long as you can keep the production line, um, you can ship. So, uh, at this point we were able to do it, uh, just the two of us, even sometimes day and night. So it kind of get complicated, but, uh, yeah, soon we'll have to, to, to jump higher and get, uh, and get, you know, more, um, um, like machines for the, for the recipes and, and, and help for the shipping and the production process as well. So that's the next, uh, yeah the next, I would say, challenge for us. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a big challenge, but at least it's clearly defined what you want, what you need to focus on. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience and advice, Anthony. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was nice to talk to you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.